I got into this Volkswagen Vanagon from 1980 something and drove two and a half hours down a random highway with this person that I had met three days prior. And um, it was probably one of the most like life-changing experiences for me. First Person is a podcast about life-changing travel experiences where Ray and I conduct interviews about trips that change people's lives. I'm Maula. We started this podcast because we've personally had trips that changed our lives and wanted to share these stories with you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of First Person. I'm Ray. And I'm Nino. And today we're going to be talking to Hoda. So, Hoda, can you please uh, introduce yourself and give the audience a bit of background about who you are? Hi there. Yeah, so my name is Hoda. Um, I am a first-generation American. My parents came to America in the 70s from Egypt. Um, And for fun, I like to do yoga, uh, hike, and just meet new people. Uh, I met Nino through a friend, actually, uh, A few years ago, I just happened to be in California, and a friend saw that I was there, tagged him in a post, he called me, and we connected, and then two years later, I moved to the Bay Area from New Jersey, and uh, he's now my California brother. Happy to be it. So, for today's story, um, what will you be telling us about? Yeah, so I'm actually going to be sharing my story about a trip I took. Um, It was actually a work-related trip. Part of the onboarding was spending three weeks in Seattle, and since I, at the time, was living in New Jersey, I ended up spending the weekends there, so they weren't flying us back coast to coast. Um, and I'm just going to talk about what happened on my trip and the people I met, things I learned about myself and about other people as well. That sounds phenomenal. So yeah, let's jump in. Cool, yeah. So <clears throat> um, I had started a new job in February of 2015. And like I said, part of the onboarding was spending three weeks in Seattle to do an intensive boot camp to learn the software that I was going to be working on. And while I was there, I wasn't sure how I was going to click with the people on my team. A lot of them were a little older than me or just came from different walks of life. And as much as I enjoyed their company, I kind of wanted to seek out my own friends. Um, So I actually turned to Tinder, which... (laughs) Yeah, right. <laughs> Previously, I, I've used Tinder in um, Greece. That was actually the first time I used it, and I made some friends there and in Egypt as well. And I made a friend who ended up being a diving instructor and took my friend and I diving. Um, so I was like, let me give it a shot in Seattle. And in my profile, I wrote, looking for friends and tour guides in Seattle for three weeks. And one of the people I connected with, um, he had an Arab name, so I kind of felt safe telling him about myself and actually agreeing to uh, meet up. And we met at, I picked the place. (laughs) I said, let's meet for dessert. That way it would be a short encounter. And in case he was crazy, I could jet out of there. So I picked a crepe place and it actually was outdoors and it happened to be a little drizzling a little bit. So he's like, I won't kill you. Just come in my car. I'm going to take you to Delatante Cafe. It's where Obama goes when he comes to Seattle. (laughs) yeah of course (laughs) how did that make you feel 
Well, not to get off topic, but when I was in Greece, my friend and I made friends with also guys we matched with on Tinder um, who are our age. And they agreed to take us to the beach. And then they said something to each other in Greek. And we're like, what'd you just say? And they're like, oh, we just said we're going to steal your kidneys. And I was like, ah. Wow. And I left (laughs) Greece with two kidneys. So I'm okay. (laughs) Well, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad that you have both kidneys. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad this is working out for you. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, so um, he took me to Del's Hunt Cafe, which is really well known in Seattle. And apparently President Obama goes there um, for dessert when he visits. So we went, we had a great conversation. It felt like I had known him forever. And I know that's like sort of corny and touche to be like, oh, I've known him forever. But Honestly, we had a really deep heart-to-heart conversation about just life and love and our families and our dreams and aspirations, and um, we really connected. And I remember it was a Thursday evening, and the next day my friend was visiting from Texas Friday and Saturday. Mm -hmm. So I spent Friday and Saturday with my friend from Texas, and I was telling him, you know, I met this guy, and he grew up in another country, moved to America when he was 16, self-made man. And he just told me that he has a Volkswagen van again, and he's going to sell his business, like liquidate the business, and he's going to get in this Volkswagen van again and tour the United States and just like check out cities and go hiking and make new friends. And I was so intrigued because, you know, up until that point, my 24 years in life, all I cared about was, you know, corporate America, the expectations of my families and my culture. Mm hmm. You're supposed to like live a certain way. You're supposed to have a nine to five job. And um, he kind of was breaking that mold for me and, and showing me, actually, you can do whatever you want as long as it makes you happy. Um, so that Friday and Saturday, I, uh, Friday I had a work event. I took my friend that was visiting from Dallas. And then Saturday, my friend and I took a trip over to Vancouver and Squamish. We went for like a short hike and it was really, it was really awesome. And Um, Sunday morning, my friend had left, and so I texted this guy that I met. um, I'll call him A, just to protect his identity. Mm -hmm. Uh, I texted him and said, hey, what's going on? Like, what are you doing today? And he called me, and he said, hey, listen, I'm in my van. I'm about to take a trip to the beach. You want to come? And I didn't ask what beach, how long, who else is coming. The first thing that came out of my mouth was, yeah, let me just take a shower. So hopped in the shower, I got ready, he was waiting outside, and we drove to a beach called Ocean Shores, Um, and if you look that up on Google Maps, it's about like two and a half hours from Seattle. So I got into this Volkswagen van again from 1980-something and drove two and a half hours down a random highway with this person that I had met three days prior, and... um, it was probably one of the most like life-changing experiences for me. Uh, just being in nature, being with someone who's so genuine and authentic. Uh, he just talked about whatever came to mind. He didn't have a problem being very candid and honest with me. And we went to this like little seafood place, like had lunch, and then went and sat on the beach. And actually, I caught the most beautiful sunset of my life. Um, The sunset on the Pacific is out of this world. Um, The sky was like every shade you can possibly imagine from purple to pink to orange. Um, 
yeah, and then, you know, we took the drive back and for the remaining two weeks that I was there, we hung out all the time. I felt like uh, I, I gained like a lifetime friend and we actually still stay in touch even though he lives in, now he lives in Jordan. Um, but I learned a lot about myself in that, in that trip because number one, I learned about, you know, breaking the mold and the confinement of what I thought my life needed to be like. And also I learned to be really independent. So I had been so spoiled, you know, I live, I lived with my parents up until I was 25, um, had a laundry machine here and my car. When I was in Seattle, I didn't have any of that. I had to take care of myself, get around myself. Um, and I realized that I actually really enjoyed being alone. Um, I had spent so much time thinking I always needed to be around people, friends, family. Um, so, yeah. In terms of being alone, how did that come about, the enjoyment aspect of it? Uh, when you first got there, you you had these reservations. And then what what happened to just get you settled? So, um, I think I was afraid of being alone. And once I got there and I actually was alone and I was spending, you know, every night by myself and without my family or, you know, I just realized, hey, I actually am not afraid. I, I actually enjoy my own company. It gave me a lot of time to just, I had more downtime than I ever had in my entire life because I was in a new city. I didn't have any obligations to friends for dinner plans or birthday parties or engagements. It was just me and this city that I got to explore and these people that I got to meet. So it was a sense of freedom. Yeah, I guess you could say that. That makes sense. <laughs> and also, during the two-hour ride, you mentioned that that's when um, you had the life-changing experiences. What, com what aspects of your conversation brought that about? So um, when he was telling me about his life, I realized that I had all these like standards and set all these expectations. So he didn't go to college and he never intended on it. I grew up thinking that you had to go to college to end up being successful or live out the American dream. Cause my, you know, my parents didn't risk and sacrifice everything and their families to come here and for me to not reach my potential. Um, so that was one thing. And the other thing was he was just so non-traditional in the sense that, you know, he was a business owner. He was going to give up the business and have no financial stability or security just to see new things and experience new things and meet new people. Um, and it opened up this like realm of possibility that, wow, I don't, I don't actually have to work for the rest of my life. If at any point I want to take a couple months off or a year off or take forever off and do random odd jobs, then, you know, I could, I could do that. That's phenomenal. Yeah, it, it is. And I, I think that what you said about breaking the mold, that's, that's part of it. Like being or having the freedom to stop and take breaks from the nine to five or whatever job you have and to just experience life. Uh, I know that um, people people may think about this a lot, but what would you say to those people who um, who think about it, but a little bit afraid to, to actually do it? Yeah, so um, I was that person, actually. Mm -hmm. 
I was always afraid because, you know, okay, well, I have student loans to pay off and I have my car insurance and my bills and whatever the case is. And then I realized that I was pushing things off, um, whether it was like taking a vacation or leaving the job that I was unhappy with for a new job that was scary. You'll never know until you try, right? So as cliche as that sounds, it's kind of like, for me, and uh, Nina knows about this, I had been saying, excuse me, I'm going to move to California for two years, I said it. And then the opportunity fell onto my lap. And I was faced with this decision. It was um, about a month after my grandmother passed away. So my mom wasn't in the greatest place. Um, And I had this job offer. And on one hand, it was do I go and quit my stable job, leave my family, be 3,000 miles away um, and just try? Or do I stay here in this comfortable job around my family and everything that I know and um, always wonder what if? So for me, it was just eliminating that what if factor because if you're afraid, you'll never know what you'll be able to experience until you try it. So I just packed up all my things. I quit my job and I moved to California for this job that, you know, was a contract. It sounded really promising. um, And I met some incredible people, um, just genuine, authentic people who, you know, will put everything on the line to like help out a friend. So although it gets really lonely sometimes and I worry about, again, like finances. Um, My brother, rest his soul, he would always say, money comes and goes, like, don't worry about it. And he passed away um, two months ago, actually, and he passed away with zero debt. It was, like, incredible. Wow. Sorry to hear that, by the way. Thanks. It's life. The only guarantee in life is death, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So it's really interesting hearing about the introvert side of you, because as I've known you, you've been the life of the party. The person that I would say is uh, super outgoing, wears her very authentic, straightforward and adventurous, you know, but it's it's really interesting to actually listen to what's actually going on behind the scenes or how you came about this to be this person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I've always had reservations because in my culture, perhaps it's my culture, I'm not sure, maybe it's just society, um, saying whatever is on your mind is not always ideal, especially if it's not going to please others. Um, and I've realized that that's, you know what, just it's easier to just speak your mind, and if someone gets upset, it's okay to have that candid conversation. Um, and I would hope that if I say something that upsets someone, that they would feel comfortable enough talking to me about it. But, um, yeah, I think the adventurous side of me is something that probably came about more recently, maybe the past, like, two years or so. Speaking about adventurous, um, one thing that stuck out to me about your first story about going to the beach was the uh, spontaneity of it, right? Were there more moments like that during those three weeks where um, you just got up and did something that wasn't planned? Yeah, so it's funny that you say that because I think I, I'm pretty type A. I'm a planner, 
And I used to get real anxious when things, um, when things deviated from the plan because it was like the fear of the unknown, which again, ties back to like me wanting to move and such. Um, but sorry, I thought I, I forgot where I was going with that. What was your question again? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I was, I was asking if there were any more like spontaneous oh. moments throughout the uh, three weeks time you spent in. Um, oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So funny story. Um, I have always wanted to get my nose pierced, but I knew that if I got my nose pierced under my parents' roof, they'd probably freak out. Um, just because they're like, don't put anything in your body, whatever, infections. Um, so right before I went to Seattle, two months before, I actually had um, rhin septorhinoplasty on my nose. And while I was in Seattle, I was adamant on getting my nose pierced for whatever reason. Um, and so I called the doctor and I was like, hey, like, could I, could I pierce my nose? And they're like, yeah, just don't pierce your septum, but you can like pierce the nostril. Um, and then... I was like, eh, I'm not going to do it. And then my friend came to visit me. She lives in San Francisco and she came to Seattle for the weekend and we were going to go get some hot dogs. <laughs> and we found ourselves really close to the piercing salon that I had checked out on Yelp. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And sure enough, I went in and she held my hand and I got my nose pierced. Granted, it only lasted 10 months, but it was fun while it lasted. So <laughs> a couple of things first. From hot dogs to nose rings. I, I love that story. <laughs> and second, why did it only last for only 10 months? So I was I was cleaning my nose ring uh, like a week after my grandma passed away. I feel like it was a sign from God that my grandma might have not liked it. So <laughs> I was cleaning it out and it fell and I was looking all over for it and I couldn't find it. So I was like, whatever, let me just put my old one in. And when I put it in, I started bleeding and I got an infection. So I took it out and I was like, okay, I'm done. We'll revisit this later. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Any more spontaneous moments? Um, probably the drive to Canada. Um, my friend from Texas flew in because, uh, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, I thought I was alone the whole time, but I had a friend every weekend in town. <laughs> <laughs> He works for Southwest, so he gets like free flights. So he just came for the weekend and he's like, give your passport, right? And I was like, yeah. And so we ended up taking a drive to Canada. And then when we got to Vancouver, we realized it was a city and we wanted to do something um, a little more involved. And so we were talking to a random coffee shop owner and he said, well, have you ever heard of Whistler or Squamish? And I was like, no, I had no idea what either one of them was. Um, so he was like, well, if you just drive on this one highway, it's great because the mountain's on your one side and the other side is the water. So we started driving, 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 and then we came across a gondola. We parked and we took the gondola up to this mountain. We were like 8,000 feet um, above sea level, and it was pretty incredible. The views were out of this world. It was probably the most beautiful sight I've ever seen um, compared to like the pyramids, and those are close runner-ups. That sounds phenomenal. So in terms of pictures for these trips, I'm sure you've documented this on social media. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. We would love to have some uh, for the website. Yeah, for sure. Definitely yeah. a great like selfie moment. <laughs> oh, <laughs> being on the gondola. And um, was it a mountain peak like on top of the mountain? Yeah, so it was on top of the mountain. There was actually like um, a giant lodge where you can get food 
and then a couple of bridges. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't have any selfies, but I have one of those follow me to pictures. So my friend's holding my hand and I'm <laughs> reaching for the mountaintop. That is awesome. I'm actually a bit surprised you don't have any selfies, Hoda. I know. I've, I've deviated away from the selfie life. And I'm proud of you for it. <laughs> hey, don't hate on the selfie, okay? <laughs> I, I'm I'm still team selfie over here. <laughs> I just kidding. recently got on there once in a while. I I prefer to take my selfies with the kids or a dog, you know, just to increase my reach. Yeah, you'll you'll definitely increase your likes with if you have a kid or a, a little cute animal. <laughs> so being in Seattle for the three weeks inspired me to, and you know, I was consulting for a year, and um. Like I said, I'm a planner. I really wanted to take a trip and go to a yoga retreat. And I have a lot of friends who like love yoga or are interested in yoga. But every time I tried to coordinate a date, it was always like, oh, I got to check. I have a wedding that weekend. I have this going on. And I was like, you know who's, whose company I enjoy? Myself. So I went. I just booked a four-day yoga retreat in Colorado and then four days in Southern California. Um because I have friends that live there, so it kind of was easy to couch or blow up bed surf. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I took a a flight out of New Jersey to Colorado, to Denver, Colorado. Um, the yoga retreat was like almost two hours from Denver. Um, so I looked up logistics and everything. I drove to Boulder first because I heard there was a really good taco place. <laughs> <laughs> Food first, everything right. else next. Was it was it really good? It was so good. Tiako, it's called. What did you have? Um, I had, I think it was a duck taco, and I want to say a steak taco. Wow. wow. I'm, duck taco. I'm sold. Yeah, I love duck. Now I need to go to Boulder and go there. I'm, whenever you go, I'm in. Purely for the duck tacos. Yes. <laughs> Okay, sorry. There's also a place called Boulder Baked you got to check out. And it doesn't have any marijuana in the cookies. They're actually regular cookies, but it's right next to a dispensary. So I think that's why the name is Boulder Baked. Well do. Yeah, so, um, yeah. And then I took a 40-minute drive to the mountain. It was actually in um, Rollinsville. It's called Shoshone Yoga Retreat. And it was incredible. I, as I was driving through the mountains, I hadn't, thought of this but about 10 minutes in away from boulder i lost all reception (laughs) my cell phone didn't work but i had put the map on and it was basically just driving straight up the mountain um and about four miles from the yoga retreat was tiny little town called netherland um populations a thousand or two um and then as soon as i got to the yoga retreat it was the most incredible thing. It's really close to Rollins Peak. So it's about, um, it's probably like eight or 9,000 feet above sea level. And the peak, I actually ended up hiking it, was 11,000 feet up. And the mountain, as soon as you get up there, you you feel real funky because you're so high up. Like I said, there was no cell phone reception. So I got the key to my dorm room. I checked in. They had um, all vegetarian breakfast, lunch, and dinner, three yoga classes a day, and uh, some meditation classes as well. So before, and, oh, go ahead. Oh yeah, no, you go ahead. 
I was going to ask you before going to the retreat, how avid of a yoga practitioner were you? Um, so I've been doing yoga like on and off since I was 19. Um, and I just, I don't know, I don't do it as often as I'd like, but I don't think that yoga has anything to do with how often you practice. It's, I think, more about um, just practicing mild mindfulness Thank oh. you. How how did you find this place? Google. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's good. Did yeah. you like read the reviews too or how- Oh yeah, the reviews are all five stars. And then I called because like I said I'm a planner and I'm type A OCD, so I went and called them and I asked a thousand and one questions and then I was sold. I put a deposit. They actually have an ashram so a lot of the people there live there year-round and they just harvest and all the food is from the land and they have chickens and they have vegetables and everything's vegetarian and delicious and the air is fresh and incredible yeah so my first night there um they have like a hot tub and after dinner people were just hanging out on the back patio and this girl came out with a guitar she started playing a song that she wrote and the moon was out. It was probably one of the most serene moments of my life. And it got real chilly because it was the end of August and, you know, the elevation makes it a lot colder. And, you know, just that night, it felt so easy to slip into sleep because I had no distractions, no email. Um, you can get cell reception by connecting to Wi-Fi, but I hadn't figured that out yet. <laughs> <laughs> So um, it was really, it was like a nice experience and it was incredible to just be able to be alone and to be content. Um, And a lot of the people that I met there, I talked to about some of my deepest secrets and a lot of like my deep inner thoughts and we didn't exchange any contact information. I think it that's what made the experience even better. I knew that they were strangers, so they weren't judging me. And even if they did judge me, I likely would never see them again in my entire life. Um, yeah. That's interesting. So the fact that uh, there was a bit of anonymity gave you, I guess, the space and freedom to open up. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember talking to one of the women. She had just finished her master's in social work, and she was like, you know... I'm I'm trying to not sound real cliche, but I'm not here because I'm trying to find myself um, exactly necessarily. But she was like, I am here to escape reality. And I was telling her about wanting to move and the fear of leaving my parents. And I worry about them because they're older in age. And she was like, you'll always regret not doing it. And I was like, wow, those are my exact thoughts. I always say, I have to do this. I have to do this. And there's no time like the present because you might not know what's going to happen tomorrow and whether the opportunity will be there or if you're going to be willing and capable of doing it. Did you feel like you were escaping when you went there or was there another reason? Did I feel like I was escaping when I went to the retreat? Yeah. Cause you said the, um, the person you talked to mm. said that they felt that they, they were there to escape reality um, were you there for the same reasons or was there a different reason? Or was you it know, just I yoga? Just, uh, it wasn't, it was like a combination of a lot of things. Um, at that time, my jaw was really stressful. 
and I really needed a break and I didn't know how else to get a break. And I, d I was tired of like waiting for my friends to book a trip or my sister or whatever the case is. Um, so it was just more getting, you know, more in touch with yoga, getting away from the hustle and bustle of everyday life and work, kind of getting away from my friends and family too. <laughs> just, it was and no better excuse than, sorry, I don't have any reception in the woods. I can't answer your calls. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like you got confirmation, too, of your decision. Yeah, once I was there, I was like, wow, this is, I just needed to unplug. I recommend this yoga retreat to, like, everyone I know. What was the name again? Shoshone is S-H-O-S-H-O-N-I. Cool. We'll put the information up on our show notes as well yeah. just in case people are interested in going i know i'm interested in going now and my wife is a big uh yoga fan as well so um we could probably do that together yeah they have a great like couples thing so you can get a cabin instead but oh. it actually closes for the season in october and i'm not sure when it opens again so oh. definitely oh. check it out okay that's cool. I'm, I was thinking about next year, not this year, but... Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Ray's also a planner, so... Think. <laughs> yes, yes, I am a planner. I's have to be dotted, T's have to be crossed. But hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Not at all, not at all. Um, but as it relates to your story, it sounds like there's a common theme where you're searching for uh, peace and solitude within yourself. Um, you go to a new area and you're surrounded by new friendly faces and in that form you're able to be yourself essentially if if that makes sense and in being yourself being open being honest you're getting feedback from the world so that being said um, right now in, in our interactions i feel like that's how you are all the time is that so um i think i don't know it depends on my audience i feel like as sad as that, as sad as that may be, I feel like um, around certain people, I do have to like hold back a little bit. Um, and whether if it's like older people in the community and my family's um, acquaintances and such, I feel like I can't really be who I am because it may not be what our culture is okay with. You know, a girl living on her own, three thousand miles away from her family. Um, having friends that are the opposite sex, uh, is not always, it's not exactly what I should be doing. <laughs> how would you tell others or how would you, um, describe to others how to overcome that if they're faced with the same difficulties or the challenges? Yeah. So <clears throat> I actually had an experience where, um, a relative in my family, she basically sent me like an eight page letter telling me that I'm doing everything wrong in life and that I'm, you know, going against what my religion teaches. And it was really hard for me to swallow because I was like, wow, this is like not really constructive criticism. This is more like bashing and judgment. And at the end of the day, we as mere humans cannot judge one another. It's ultimately going to be, or at least what I believe is that God is going to be the ultimate judge. And I know that my intentions are good and that I know that 
I think I lead by positive example um, around people who are not the same faith as me. They always ask me questions and say, you know, why do you do certain things or why do you choose not to drink? And well, I know someone who says they're Muslim, but they drink. So um, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to intention. And I realize that for me, like I'll post a picture with my guy friends and in um, my community that's looked at as she's posting this picture or some people will like start talking and say, oh, you know, she's hanging out with men. She shouldn't be doing this, etc." Um, But I think if, I, if what I thought I was doing was wrong or if I was doing something wrong, that I would feel the need to hide it, right? Because at the end of the day, if someone's robbing your house, they're not going to do it in broad daylight. Likely they're going to do it at night so no one gets catches them. Mm-hmm. But if I'm putting my thing, if I'm putting this out there for the world to see, then likely I don't think that I'm doing anything wrong or it may seem that I'm doing something wrong or it may be wrong. I'm not sure, but my intention was never for it to be wrong. I get that. Yeah. Keep using the word community and for the greater audience out there, can you give us a little background on what that means? Yeah. Um, So I grew up in a sort of like middle class, uh, Muslim, mainly Egyptian, Arab, mainly Egyptian community. Um, And, you know, as far back as I can remember, like, and as most recently as when I got into college, it was always like, what school are you going to be going to? What are you going to be majoring in? You have to pick like a you know, a major or a major that's more suitable for a woman who's potentially going to get married and have kids. So, you know, don't pick a job that makes you travel or a doctor where you're going to be working long hours. Um, And, you know, as even uh, like two years ago, I went to um, pray at the at the mosque and a woman grabbed my hand and felt my ring finger and said, oh, there's no ring here here, have your mom call me. I can set you up with like a suitor. She gave me a business card. So, um, and not to bash the community, you know, they do a lot of great things for young people. And, um, when someone needs money or there's a community that like loses the breadwinner or something, everyone steps up and tries to help out. But at the end of the day, they do have a lot of these cultural back home in Egypt expectations um for women i think especially and i think it's up to my generation older generations future generations to you know break that stereotype and go against the stigma that women should be behaving a certain way um because i feel like god bless us with minds and with ambition and we should chase after that we shouldn't be confined to the norms of a culture that's super outdated and I don't think it's religion. I think it's the culture because um, I'm Muslim. So our prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, his first wife, Khadija, she was older than him and she was a business owner and he worked for her. So <laughs> um, we definitely should not be sitting at home or barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. Right. So I love that analogy. I love how you just brought those two points together. Yeah, really well said. In hindsight, it's always funny because hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Um, 
you know, from the men in Greece I met that told me they're going to steal my kidneys and I laughed about, to the guy in Seattle that I got into a car with for three hours, to hiking alone, like, I don't know how many feet, I think it was like three miles or five miles, I can't remember. Um, I did it alone and I knew that there was like moose and bears in the woods. Um, so I don't know, I always just bring it back to the fact that I personally feel that well, actually, it's more of a religious thing, too, but when it's our time to go, we're going to go no matter what the circumstances are. Um, so I might as well try, right? So I might as well go on these random road trips and go for a hike if I can't find anyone to go with me or I don't want to go with anyone. I just want to be alone with nature. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't regret it. The views were incredible, and the, the hike was absolutely amazing. I could feel the clear, clean air as I went higher and higher. It was incredible. I'm getting a sense of trust. Um, and by that, I mean, just hearing, hearing these stories, it, it sounds like there's a lot of trust that you've gained, not only in yourself, but in the world, knowing that you can take a long hike in the woods with all of these supposed dangers and trust that all will be well. Right. Yeah. Just trusting that, you know, God's God's got your back, right? Because at the end of the day, God created you and he wants to take care of you. Nobody wants to... So say you, you created a vase or something. You went to a pottery class and you made a vase and you painted it all nice. You're not going to go walk out of class and intentionally break it, right? You're going to want to take care of it. You're going to put it on display. You're going to put the freshest, nicest flowers in it. You're going to clean the water. You're going to make sure it doesn't get moldy. And I think that um, at the end of the day, God is looking out for us too and if we're constantly remembering him and keeping the faith strong and trusting him, um, then there's no reason really to, to fear anything. I felt like saying amen in a Southern Baptist <laughs> tone, but I didn't know how to do it. <laughs> I, was, you know, I was about to sing for you, but I didn't know if you were ready. That's incredible. I'm inspired. Um, that just... Just hearing the stories, hearing the erudition of uh, your being, because the person I know now is complete. It sounds like there's been a lot of growth there uh, from where you were, and I'm eager to continue hearing more stories and seeing this growth progress. Yeah, there's still I still have a long way to go. I'm nowhere near where I know I need to be. <laughs> Yeah, growth is a process, right? No, I don't think, um, my personal opinion, like we're never done being who we are, right? There's always more to discover, uh, more to experience, and um, that's what we're here to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and actually, it's funny that you say there's more to experience and more to discover because when I moved to California, I made a promise to myself, two things I wouldn't get, um, a TV and internet. And I said, I didn't leave my family and I didn't, you know, leave all my friends and everything I've ever known to move 3,000 miles away and to sit at home and mindlessly watch TV or watch Netflix or sit on the internet. So I try as much as I can to do things outside or to just sit alone and think or write or read. Um, and I think it was one of the best decisions I could make. And I always really admire families and parents that do the no TV rule in their house too. Cause I think that there's just way too much out there in the world to see and to discover for us to sit 
and stare at a box of light. Walter, is there anything else that you want to add or about your your trips, uh, just overall experiences? Um, yeah, I think that I think the fear factor is really what drives us away from trying to, trying new things. Like, I used to be so confined in a bubble. Every time I wanted to take a vacation, I went to the same place. I went to South Beach, Miami, and I sat on the beach all day. I ate a lot of Cuban food. It was just so predictable. Um, but it was when I, and honestly, I have to say it was because of that, that job I had that sent me to Seattle, which I don't think I would have ever went to Seattle because I thought it was rainy, but that is a total myth. Um, the three weeks that I was there, it hardly rained. And when it did rain, it was like a drizzle and it was like refreshing more than anything. Um, but I think we're just always afraid to try new things. I think if, you know, you're really itching for a vacation, go online, check out where there's cheap flights at that time and go to a new city, um, eat dinner alone. That is one of the things that I enjoy a lot now. Um, I remember the first time I ever ate dinner alone was in London. Uh, I was there with a friend who was also a coworker and she really wanted to go to the gym and I was just not feeling it that night. So I walked into a random restaurant and I had Indian food alone and it felt awkward and uncomfortable to ask for a table for one. But ever since then, it's been over two years. That is my favorite thing to do now is to just have dinner alone. Um, I don't have to worry about sharing my food. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's just nice to have quiet time. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. Thank you guys for having me. This is uh, awesome. Of course. And I, I, rem I recall you mentioned there are two international trips, so I'm sure we'll have you back. Yeah, for sure. That would be awesome. Cool. Now to officially wrap it up, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the First Person Podcast. I'm Ray. This is Nino. And I'm Hoda. Yeah, and we're out. Peace. Oh. Official tissue. <laughs> Peace. Official tissue. So, so Hoda, let's bring you up to speed on official tissue. Whenever something's amazing, it's official. But when it's this good... When it's this paradigm shifting, then it's extra tissue. <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to talk about. I was going to just talk about Seattle, and then I was like, just went on a tangent. Sorry. Oh, no, it's perfect. But before you leave, though, I would love to hear you say or sing it. Official tissue. Official tissue. So much tissue. So much tissue. <laughs> Official tissue. We yes. out. <laughs> All right. We out. 100.